Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Monday, November 21st, and that was a uh, not-so-great day for fantasy football, especially if you're like me and have Josh Allen on all your good teams, as I've mentioned very often this year. Well, some of you might have some actually good results there. Uh, We do have some stinkers to get through, but as always, we're here to recap everything that happened on Sunday, and as always, here to do it with me is the great Scott Pianowski. Scott, you're looking beautiful there on the other side here, now that your camera situation, your background situation has gotten the full Yahoo upgrade. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Yeah, I wish my teams did as well as uh, I felt in the office. Shout out to Brett and Lauren, who were fantastic. They were here on Friday. They assembled. Uh, they gave love to my puppy. They were just absolute dreams to work with. And um, and, not, and not only did they put up a background that's professional and, and finally up to speed with the rest of the crew, but... There's a bunch of storage space that's part of the furniture. So I, I have like overabundance of books and, and stuff. I know. I, I needed to put things in certain places. So now not only have they set me up professionally, but they've given me a place for you know books and magazines that I've collected. I'm, I'm trying to get this, rid of this hoarding problem, but couldn't be more thrilled with the setup. Again, Brett and Lauren, you rock. I wasn't really sure what the appropriate gift was for your assembly crew. I, I should have given him some whiskey on the way out and said, I just said thank you about 17 times. So I'll <laughs> say it again. And how did I repay the fancy public by, oh man, uh, I, I feel like I was right on a lot of small things and wrong on a lot of big things. And let's try to figure out what's uh, going to happen going forward after a, every week's weird. I'm not going to call it so weird week because every week is weird, but I thought the one o'clock slate had more potholes and more bricks than usual. Maybe it's just kind of like, you know, if you live in the Detroit area, it's pothole season. You, you have to drive like real, like a slalom course if you want to avoid a blowout in the tire. I felt like there are a lot of blowouts that were unavoidable in week 11. Yeah, I felt the exact same way. So let's just dive right into it. And, and, and I think we can get it started right here with this game. Lions 31, Giants 18. A lot of unpredictable or at least perhaps unforeseen things went down in this game, Scott. Yeah, first, what can we set our watch by? Uh, the spirit animal of the Lions is Jamal Williams. He's just a touchdown machine. He's going to be the touch guy, period. And they gave a handful of 
touches, just a limited amount of touches to DeAndre Swift. God forbid he'd ever get hurt or anything. He did get some late touchdown deodorant, but they just won't steer into DeAndre Swift. I think he's very difficult to trust for fantasy. On the other side, the Lions said, look, we're not going to get beaten by Saquon Barkley, and, and they weren't. Barkley went nowhere. He had an absolute dud of a game. Daniel Jones, now look, he threw a couple of picks. I get it. He was playing from behind, get some garbage time stats, but he, he throws for over 300. He runs for a touchdown. And a lot of us in week 11, one of the worst receiver weeks for, for unavailability, you know, injuries, bye weeks and all that, a lot of us had to play Darius Slayton or Wandale Robinson. And neither one of them scored, but I mean, you'll take 100 yards from Robinson or 86 yards from Slayton. That qualifies as a win. So I think the Giant looked... There are some teams that had records that probably didn't match their metrical standing, and Giants were one of those teams. So maybe they got exposed a little bit here. It was just disappointing, I think, that if I told you the Lions would score 31 points, you'd be like, oh, okay, big St. Brown game. Well, he had volume, he didn't score. Oh, well, DeAndre Swift get back in the mix? Eh, not really. I mean, a touchdown. Oh, Jared Goff. How about you know 250 and two from Goff? Well, how about 165 and zero? It was basically you had Jamal Williams, you had nothing on that side. And, you know, I don't feel sorry for anybody who rosters Saquon Barkley because you've had such a great season from him. But um, it was the Daniel Jones show. It was the Wondell Robinson show. You know I'm a Darius Slayton guy. So I feel kind of inspired by that. I think Daniel Jones has a chance to be a deep – in a year where the poor quarterback play has been the story. The old guys haven't been good. The young guys haven't been good. I think Daniel Jones has a chance to be at least league average, maybe even above league average. I, I'm still sticking to that. He's got the right coach. Hopefully they can get a better receiver room going forward, although the receivers played okay today. Am I misguided to have some Daniel Jones optimism? We know he can run. We know he's a good athlete. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on the Daniel Jones thing. And and it like we talked about in the previous show, too, it kind of comes in conjunction with um, the fact that they have a decision to make on Saquon Barkley, too. And, you know, I know Saquon Barkley doesn't have a very, a very big game uh, in this one. By the way, I think it's kind of gone undersold a little bit that the Lions run defense has actually been not great, but league average of late since week seven. Um, they rank 16th in EPA per rush attempt allowed, but they rank 25th in uh, dropback EPA allowed. So they've still been a bad pass defense, but their run defense has actually been a really solid unit. And I think that sort of showed up in this Barkley thing. Um, but overall, like, I don't know if the, the you know, maybe the, the Giants can um, kind of go into next season with, the idea like, okay, we can bring Daniel Jones back on like a prove it deal. Maybe they give him like the Jameis Winston contract. I know we'll talk about the uh, Saints obviously a little bit later on, but that might be like a certain, and if, but I think if Daniel Jones wants more than that from the Giants, like I kind of think they'll let him walk and try to figure out the quarterback position um, in a different way next year. But I, but I hear your point overall though. That's interesting because they're going to win too many games to have a good draft pick. Uh, although it's such a loaded quarterback draft, it's I guess it's conceivable maybe they could find somebody they like. Just I just look around the league and there's even contending teams are gonna be unhappy with their quarterback room right now. So I don't what know. What do you think? But like just in terms of doling out responsibility, because that's like I, I like doling out credit is like what uh, 50, 60, maybe even seventy percent of of sports debates. What like percentage of credit would you give to Brian Dayball, and, and what percentage would you give to Daniel Jones? Great question. I th I think it's pretty close to 50-50, actually. I, I think because Jones has always been athletic, and the receiver play for the most part, they, they've had one of the worst receiver rooms in the league. I mean, the Galladay contract was a bomb. For whatever reason, they just didn't mesh with Kadarius Tony, so they they basically like kicked him off the team. It was like as a high school player, and they said, no, you're a college oh, yeah, player. We're taking your scholarship away. <laughs> 
they gave him away and, you know, gifted him to the Chiefs. But, I mean, as much as I would like to talk up Slayton, I mean, on a good team, he'd be a three or a four. We all know that. And, and even Barkley, I think Barkley's overrated as a receiver, has been for several years. I don't think that's the explosive part of his game. So I think I like I think I like Jones more than you, which is okay. I mean, uh, fantasy is about disagreement, is about my take against your take. But it's funny, we're starting with this game. Usually the game we start with like, oh my God, the fantasy goodness. Look at like the nine or 10 guys who hit. This is the first game we're talking about. And, and even this game left us, a little, I think, left me a little bit cold. So it's all downhill from here, kind listener. And uh, I hope... That maybe the you know the, the the turkey that's cooking in the oven. I I, I eat pasta on Thanksgiving, by the way. Mm. Maybe the pasta that's that's percolating can take you away from. It, it's going to get uglier. This is the first game we picked. This well, is yeah, us coming out hot. Game. Yeah, right. It's coming out hot. But keep listening though. There, there, we'll have some good stuff though. Even though the games might not be that great. Um, just a couple of housekeeping notes from this game. Um, Wandale Robinson might have suffered a serious knee injury ahead of the Thanksgiving game, which is a, su- a huge bummer because he gets 100 yards in this game. I, I think he's looked really good um, in the role that they have him. So that's just more volume for Slayton. They got to get something from Gallaudet, although those guys don't really play the same position as, as Robinson. So, you know, the the amount of attrition they've had to go through at that receiver room for New York, like you said, to Daniel Jones's credit is certainly uh, worth noting. And, you know, the funny thing about this Jamal Williams season where he leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns, Scott, and you mentioned uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. He hasn't had that like explosive, you know, multi touchdown game in a while. A lot of it coincides with I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm watching these Lions game. St. Brown gets tackled inside the five yard line all the time. And then like yeah. the next play is Jamal Williams punching that thing in. So good. If you have Jamal Williams, who I think is emerged as like an every week must start RB two at this point. Um, and St. Brown, I think eventually will course correct. He'll find his way back into the end zone. I never get the Richard James game, right? But he did have a late touchdown in this game. And if Robinson does miss time, perhaps I, I, I haven't had next week's schedule. But perhaps wide receiver desperate teams could talk themselves into Richie James as maybe like a 50-yard candidate next week, maybe like a 25% chance to score or something like that. Well, they get the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, which is a nice, smooth transition to our Mm. next game here. Cowboys, I mean, look, they were favored going into this game in Minnesota against a team that had only lost once and had just beaten the Buffalo Bills. Well, it sure didn't look like the Minnesota Vikings were that team. They lose 40-3 to in their home stadium. Um, you know, we talked last week on the recap show, like, hey, can we just give the Vikings some credit? Like, the, you know, I, I was really trying to say, like, hey, they're an 8-1 team. Like, at some point you are what, you, what your record says you are. Well, <laughs> the Vikings are not an 8. They did not look like an 8-1 team in this game. I mean, Kirk Cousins was on his ass from the first whistle. Like, the Cowboys and, you know, Micah Parsons leaves this game with an injury, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that knee injury. Again, they have a Thanksgiving game, short turnaround here. But, man, it looked like they had – they'd kind of been playing him a lot off ball, you know, with Anthony Barr being hurt. And they kind of said, like, enough of that already in this game. They just let Micah Parsons and the boys go to work against a pass protection unit that's been a little hit or miss this year, Scott. And, man, pretty much everybody – on the Vikings offense turns in a disappointing fantasy game in a spot where it looked like they might have a, a nice little outing against Dallas. Yeah. Cousins gets sacked seven times and 30 dropbacks. That's just a huge number for a veteran quarterback and, and shows how dominant the Dallas defense was. And on the other side, I mean, we, we, we know the story in the Dallas backfield. Zeke is the guy Jerry Jones wants to live and die with. And he's the quote unquote starter and, and the, the featured back now, now both Zeke and Pollard, Got work in this game. Pollard looked electric. 
too long receiving touchdowns and was better as a runner. Zeke really didn't go anywhere on the ground, but he punched in two short touchdowns. So all the deodorant there, the game situation set up well. In fact, they were able to rest both of these guys, and Malik Davis did some mopping up the end of the game, had like seven carries or something like that. But uh, this was one game I actually got right, just the emotional handicapping of a Dallas game that got away at Green Bay. Minnesota seemed very satisfied in that overtime win over Buffalo, and I thought Minnesota was due for a fall. Dallas was due for a surge. Certainly nobody expected 40-3, to but... I, I do think Dallas is definitely a better team. I think they're better in several areas, actually. And and Dak Prescott's played pretty darn well since his injury. You know, he gets hurt. Yeah. And then you know, they do fine with Cooper Rush. And there's this idea, oh, well, maybe we just take our time and let Cooper Rush play a little longer, let Dak get right. I mean, this is just a reminder that Dak Prescott, when healthy, is at least a top 10 quarterback. And could, you could talk yourself into him maybe being a top five or six quarterback in the right season. Maybe he could be an MVP candidate. It won't be this season. But the only thing with Dallas is I just wish they had better decision makers. I wish Jerry Jones wasn't the guy in charge of everything. I wish Mike McCarthy wasn't the CEO coach of everything. But this offense is a lot of fun pieces. And if Tony Pollard's going to get used this much, I mean, Tony Pollard got 21 touches in a game where Zeke was involved, and they actually rested guys late. So its I don't think any Tony Pollard manager needs us to hold their hand. But it's, it's, this could, could be he could be a league winner. He could be the guy that you took in the sixth round who it's like, okay, thank God I got to, I had Tony Pollard. Other people carried me before Dallas really stepped into Pollard. But I mean, he's going to be a top 10 running back the rest of the way. Right. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, well, I don't know. It's kind of tough to say. Cause like, there's guys like Ramondre Stevenson sniffing on the edge of that. You know, there's Travis Etienne. Like it's actually, I would take of... Pollard over Stevenson immediately. I, I would even really? hesitate okay. towards that now because you're, yeah, you're no, getting tied I, to a better offense. I mean, the Patriots, man, I, we'll, we'll get to them. I mean, yeah. huffing and puffing. They scored, they scored three points on offense today, and they won. <laughs> no, I, I totally Mac hear jo- you. Mac so Jones I mean, is, you know, I, I never was in love with Mac Jones, but I thought he was at least going to be like Andy Dalton solid. Mac Jones looks like he is. Today he was efficient. I, again, I shouldn't talk too much about that game. We'll get to it later. But yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get when it. it. We'll, when it comes we'll to like it. Stevenson versus Pollard, the reason why I'm taking Pollard is not only do I think Pollard's a better player right now, but he's tied to such a better situation. The yeah. infrastructure around Pollard is so much better. Plus the Patriots lost the alignment today too. So uh, when, when you're close, you know, when you're close in running back, you're trying to, to rank them and everything. You have to project the game script. You have to say, well, who's got the better support around them? The problem has always been with Pollard is that you never knew when Dallas might say, oh, it's a nine-touch Tony Pollard game. It's an 11-touch Tony Pollard game. We can't take the touches away from Zeke. I think they've finally seen the light. I think it's finally 50-50 or maybe even kind of a hot hand thing. It's no no restrictions. Again, this is all kind of stating the obvious. To me, there are no restrictions left on Tony Pollard. He is plug and play, and thank God you, you should be giving your thanks while you're eating that turkey and watching Dallas in the second game on Thursday, you should be giving your thanks that for all the bad picks you made, you also took Tony Pollard in like the fifth or sixth round. I think you're moving me here a little bit, man. I, I might be on your side of the Tony Pollard Stevenson thing just after hearing you say that. And, you know, I think your your last point there is the best one, which is I think Dallas and I'll give Mike McCarthy and, and the boys credit for this. Like Jerry can say whatever he wants. And I'm sure like I honestly feel bad for Mike McCarthy because it's got to be such like a pain in the ass thing where, you know, Tony Pollard has that big game against the Bears. And then, you know, right afterwards in the locker room, the owner is out there saying, oh, yeah, well, we go as Zeke goes like, <laughs> I mean, making personnel calls like that's got to be so irritating. But like this is one of those things where I would say to people. 
like don't even and i know fantasy twitter can't help itself because this like tony pollard versus zeke thing has been like a long time you know a little cutesy debate or whatever it is uh on fantasy twitter like but I'll, like don't even wait like don't even waste earth seconds talking about it don't even waste earth seconds thinking about it like zeke's gonna get his work and and that's gonna happen sure but like i i'm totally with you that pollard has a legit role i think they've seen the light on it and i don't think it's changing and he's a crucial piece for them and this was like my preseason analysis on Pollard was that they needed him to be this guy in the passing game, six catches on six targets for over hundred yards. And those two touchdowns, like making huge plays because outside of CD lamb, Michael Gallup is maybe at like 70% of his normal self. And they just don't have a lot of juice beyond that. Pollard verifiably gives them juice. Also Zeke, and all like Barkley, a guy who came into the league with a good reputation as a pass catcher, who's been very ordinary in that area. They should not be throwing the ball to Elliot much. And he only had one target today. Yep. That's actually optimal usage. Let Zeke pound between the tackles. Sure. But Zeke shouldn't be targeted four to six, seven times a game. And I think they're moving away from that. I think so too. And just last thing on this, and I, I won't keep going on and on about this because it does kind of drive me nuts. Like there was a, a clip uh, going around the other day of like from the, the NFL, like throwback or whatever. One of those accounts that like it was an old Ezekiel Elliott run and like <laughs> a bunch of people I follow like, man, Prime Zeke was so good. And it's like, yeah, Prime Zeke was so good. Like have a little respect for these guys as they age. Like we don't have to completely say Zeke is trash at this point. He's just not what he used to be. And that's fine. Now the shift goes over to Pollard there. So yeah, I, I don't know. It like derating guys for being washed or, or old or whatever when they used to be these great players it does kind of grind my gears a little bit not to be like the old man get off my get off my lawn thing but uh i don't know have a little respect for no, these I, guys. i agree I, I wouldn't mind if we got rid of the word washed i mean you know david johnson yeah, used to be a dynamite football player Le'Veon bell used to be a dynamite football player shady mccoy used to be a dynamite football player and unfortunately the way most guys careers end especially at the running back position is like you have some year where they average 2.9 yards a carry and they, yeah. they basically have to rip the jersey off their back and they pay a price. And then you, know, you see the quality of life some of these guys have. Yeah, I, I think it's somebody from my childhood, Earl Campbell, who just ran over guys. And they're unbelievable Earl Campbell highlights, Hall of Famer. And you know, now he's a guy, I, I think he's in a wheelchair. If he's not, he's walking with a cane. He's walking very compromised. That, that's the a lot of NFL players. I would say the majority of NFL players are having some compromise of life for the price they pay as gladiators. And I think we lose that humanity angle sometimes. And I think you're very wise to point it out. You know, I know we're in it for the numbers and everything, but these are human beings who are paying unbelievable prices with their life expectancy and with the pain they're going to have to tolerate for the rest of their lives. And you know, let's try to be mindful and you know have some empathy for that. Yeah, and even just from like a cold-hearted brass tacks like standpoint you you've like been playing fantasy football for a while you got great days from zeke like you know uh everybody can't wait to call alan robinson washed and like he's giving you great years you know before too so i don't know just have a little damn respect uh for for what these guys have been before we'll transition away from that uh before i really get on my high horse which i don't want to do falcons 27 bears 24 uh, unfortunately uh, I, <laughs> you know what you just said about guys taking a bunch of punishment that's my thought coming out of this game for Justin Fields, which, man, Justin Fields, like since they transitioned the offense to him, it's been so electric. It's been so fun. He has 18 carries in this game. That's more than David Montgomery after he got, you know, the the, the work all transitioned to him with Khalil Herbert out. And, you know, just I don't know, you know, Fields comes out of this game, like rocking his shoulder back and forth, getting an x-ray, you know, carted uh, after the game just to get his shoulder checked out right away. And, and, you know, Scott, normally I don't 
I'm not the guy who's like, oh, rushing quarterbacks are going to get hurt more often. But I think it's objectively true that Justin Fields, number one, has not um, has not really mastered the art of like avoiding big hits as a rusher. And number two, it's more problematic for him than most guys because he takes an absurd amount of punishment in the pocket because of how often he takes sacks and a lot of those plays are on him as well. So I don't know, Scott, I don't want to leave. I don't want to have any bad vibes with Justin Fields, but man, am I, am I worrying too much about what we saw in this game against the Falcons and just specifically with the injuries? And it's not just the shoulder either. It looked like it was multiple things going on with him later in that game. I think you're outlining the thing that everybody should be concerned about is that how sustainable of a business model is it for the bears to run fields as proactively? It's a catch 22 because you're, your best thing offensively is probably fields running, but you can't use him as a running back and expose him to this much punishment. It's funny. The bears have played five games in a row. have all been very similar. They've been high scoring games. They've been entertaining games. They've been fantasy friendly games. The bears have found a way to lose the majority of them. We're starting to see sprinkling of, of value in his past catchers. Uh, Kibet did score a touchdown today, but he was active. Darnell Mooney got in the end zone and was liberally grabbed and held by the Falcons pretty much all day. I, I feel like Darnell Mooney can always get open and Falcons get away with some contact today. But what is the sweet spot, right? We, we don't want to go back to Fields only running three or four times or five times. I mean, it's fine to have some design runs for him, but you don't want him running 18 times a game. I mean, you, you may, in a playoff game maybe where it's like win or go home, you, you might say, screw it, just we'll live with it. If he gets hurt, he is all offseason to get right. But you can't play a full season where your quarterback would run the ball like 200 plus times. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. So the hope is that Fields becomes more proficient and more skilled as a pocket passer. The hope is that maybe Claypool spreads his wings next year. Maybe they add a receiver in the draft or in free agency. We all didn't like this Chicago offensive line going coming to the season. We didn't really trust their skill talent. So we hope they can make improvements there. A healthy Fields or even just an active Fields, because maybe he might not be healthy the rest of the season. We'll see what that left shoulder shows when they do the extra medical attention to it. But He's the top five player on the field because his running is so dynamic, but they're going to have to find what the happy medium is. Because right now they're using him too much as a runner. I get it. They're trying to win football games, but they can't play like that indefinitely because that, that's where an injury is going to happen. He's just getting hit too much. 18 carries overall, only six of them were scrambles. So that's, you know, the vast, vast majority are designed rushes. And I don't want to be like one of these hacks that's like constantly criticizing the coaching staff or whatever, because I was so celebratory for them like during that sort of mini buy after that commanders game on Thursday night changing what they did on offense but you're so right to say it's it's finding the happy medium and and that's just like what happens in a season for a first time coaching staff that's making its way with this younger player who's developing like it's the push and pull of it I think they've pushed too hard to the other end with fields as a design rusher so they pull that back a little bit they can find the happy medium and it's all good it's all good things for the bears that that they have to even have this discussion because there was a point early in the year Scott where it was like do they have to move on from Justin Fields because this is straight up not going to work and now it's clearly working but they have to find the exact right balance of it uh and i think they can get that done um you know especially because fields was just even after the game was talking about how bad like his shoulder was hurting and like i said he was rolling that thing out constantly uh towards the end of the game so i'm sure he'll want to be a part of that yeah i'm um, really glad chicago's not on the thanksgiving schedule it feels like like chicago and detroit is one of those thanksgiving staples that they serve a lot i'm glad we don't have that on the Atlanta side, man, they're they're just so difficult. They have three players in Algier, Patterson, and Mariota who could all get double-digit t- touches in any week. 
And you know what? This week, Algier gets eight. Patterson gets 10. Mariotti gets 13. Mariotti gets the rushing touchdown. Patterson bails out his day with that electric kickoff return. And what a fun. Yeah, I, I feel like if Patterson was used differently for the majority of his career, he could have had a much better career. I, I know he's played, I know. Felt like he's played for like 27 different teams, but it's just fun to watch him playing good football again. Even though he didn't have the greatest fantasy day today, it was bailed out by that kickoff return. But look at the passing game. There's never anybody who's guaranteed a bunch of targets. You know, Pitts so leads true. them today with five, three for 43, and you know zero, which for all I know, maybe make them tight at nine or 10. The position is ugly as hell. But And that's the got one Got hurt guy in this they, game, too. Got a, got a knee injury. We'll see what right, happens yep, there. Yep, took the shot to the knee. You know, Drake London's hardly used. He catches a short touchdown, but even then he doesn't make it to double-digit points. The target tree is as big as the phone book. They still don't trust Mariota. At least Mariota wasn't sacked in this game. He's one of those guys who I always feel like has four or five sacks in him the moment he comes off the bus. Man, I I don't – man, the Falcons are frustrating to me. They won. Good for them. Uh, they're interesting players on this team. I just feel the usage is so spread out that I don't think we can play anybody. And this is – I'm somebody who wanted to play Patterson proactively when he came back. I know the first game he, did, he didn't get the greatest – market share but he had a couple of touchdowns i'm like well he looks like he's healthy maybe he can just kind of push everybody to a back seat i don't think there's no a back seat here i think everybody's potentially the front seat runner and today you know the other both quarterbacks were the teams that led their teams in rushing attempts although i'm sure some of them were mariota kneel downs but still it's, it's just, when you have when you have to add a mobile quarterback a running quarterback into a backfield that has multiple running backs who touch the ball every week that's just too many mouths to feed, man. It's just yeah. really, really difficult. So the Falcons are going to be one of these playoff teams. I think they'll sneak into the playoffs probably as the seventh seed, and they have almost no fantasy juice. Yeah, they're one of those passing games that can just really gives your projection model the bird, right? And I mean that literally because Demir Bird ends up being the guy that like, hey, the Demir Bird plays are good, right? Yeah. Like when they throw him the ball, good things tend to happen. He had the a really bird. nice 19. Yeah, he had a really nice 19-yard catch uh, against his former team, the Chicago Bears. He played for like a bunch of teams. But, um, you know, the, we go into the season like, oh, wow, they've got Drake London. They've, they've got Kyle Pitts. Like, who else are they going to throw to? Split the, like 50% of the targets just to those guys. And, you know, and I think this is a credit to Arthur Smith. I, I know people hate hate when I praise Arthur Smith because he's, you know, made some boneheaded uh, decisions along the way. He's a cantankerous guy. And, like, we're definitely not getting the best out of these guys like Pitts in London. But, like like I said, those Demir Bird plays are good. Um, and they just happen to go to that guy instead of one of the stars. Like, it's just one of those situations where sometimes our projection models can tell us like, Oh yeah, these guys are just going to be so concentrated and it's not the case. Although we are, we can transition here to a team uh, Scott in the Eagles where that is the case. Um, you know, Philadelphia has been extremely highly concentrated between their three guys in the passing game, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard in this game, Devonte Smith, nine targets, AJ Brown, seven targets. Um, but I mean, it, it certainly seemed like they were missing Dallas Goddard in this game. Um, he had been a big part of their screen package and those plays were certainly missing against the Colts uh, in a game. They barely squeaked out. Yeah. Lucky to win. And I, I miss Goddard so much. And he fit, we've always talked about how Smith Brown and Goddard complement each other so well, and it threatens every strata of the field. And I'm not surprised that Philadelphia struggled. I didn't think it would be this much of a struggle. It was Philadelphia's probably the worst offensive game of the year. They squeak out the win at the end uh, in part because Matt Ryan couldn't lead the Colts to a, a winning touchdown. But at least, look, it, it's it's the four amigos now, right? It's Hurts, uh, again, probably running the ball too much. But, I mean, they, they needed – those were do-or-die plays down the stretch. And so they said, the heck with it. We're, we're going to do a lot of design runs with Hurts. Miles Sanders, you've got 13 carries. 
uh, Smith and Brown were involved. Just a kind of a fluke that Quez Watson scored a touchdown. Although you know he he actually didn't look that bad in the Monday game either. He may be somebody yeah. if you're struggling again because receiver can be really ugly. There's a lot of injuries out there. Bye weeks are still coming. Maybe Quez Watkins could be one of those guys you squint. And you can imagine himself as like wide receiver 39 or wide receiver 41 or something like that. But Eagles are still well coached. Uh, despite that Nick Sirianni fourth down call, it just burned a timeout at the end of the game. I don't know the heck what that was. It was obvious they weren't going to snap it, but they're still well coached. Hertz has taken a major step up as a passer. They still have a, a dangerous passing game, even though God, it's a huge loss. And they have maybe the best offensive line in football. So I, somebody's going to pay for the slump that they've been in. And even though I think they're certainly a much better team with Goddard, at least the distribution is a lot more narrow now. So maybe it makes you play Sanders more confidently. Maybe it makes you play Devonta Smith, who was their target leader today, more confidently. Yeah, certainly. And hey, on the other side of this, the uh, fight and Jeff Saturdays suffer their first loss uh, here. But man, I mean, just from a pure fantasy angle, is this not the team that we wanted? Uh, coming into the year, you know, they, they're competitive, they're feisty. Um, Jonathan Taylor gets 22 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. He did lose a fumble in this game. Um, and in the passing game, you know, Alec Pierce is the target leader. He only gets uh, three catches on 28 yards. That's kind of the up and down experience uh, of Alec Pierce. But, you know, Michael Pittman, respectable six catches for 75 yards. Paris Campbell, respectable five catch game. Um, you know, and, and Jonathan Taylor also catches three passes as well. So, like, from a fantasy angle, Jeff Saturday has sort of made this team back into the uh, team that we thought we were getting heading into the season. I give Ryan some credit for that, too. You know, one of my critiques of Ryan early in the season was that he was throwing so much between the numbers to his tight ends. And that's, he didn't do any of that. It was all about the receivers today. Pittman with a good game. You know, Campbell beats his receiving prop, and he dropped one pass that probably would have been a 15-yard catch. So he left a little bit on the bone. I still think Alec Pierce is a good player and was a steal in the, where they got him in the draft. So I'm just excited to see this offense pressing the ball to p- people who can make dynamic plays, you, you know, because they have three tight ends, and they all have, have different skill sets and all that. But – it's not you're not going to win games, you know, with with Grandson. As much as I've liked Mo Ali Cox in the past, I've just given up the idea of him ever becoming special. It's just too late yeah. in the in the story for that. But Matt Ryan has made this a respectable offense again. It's about the re- receivers again. It's about Jonathan Taylor again. The Colts, I thought, for a decent chunk of this game, were the better team. Maybe they should have. They certainly could have won. Maybe they should have won. The cover was never in doubt. And in a year, Matt, where there's been so many offenses, we talked a little bit about this last week. You know, with, with at times the Packers offense was on probation and the Colts offense was on probation. And it's just nice to have the Colts. I can look at their offense again and say, oh, yeah, there's three or four guys I want to play here where it was basically it was down to one. When when Ellinger was playing quarterback, I thought all of their receivers were unplayable. And I love Michael Pittman and I like yeah. Paris Candle and I like Alec Pierce. You know, again, a little bit disappointing with the opportunities he had today. But those guys are all in play now because Matt Ryan is at least – somewhat competent and Sam Ellinger wasn't and maybe they just maybe they broomed out some some coaches who gotten a little bit stale at the right time I mean I still think Frank Reich will land on his feet and be a good coordinator somewhere maybe even a head coach someday but you know they needed look we, we all know Jameer Shea is to, to steal the Evan Silva line he's kind of on tilt right now and he's he's going you know, a little bit off the rails and bouncing over you know against the walls at the moment but you know, maybe they needed a kick in the pants at the right time. Good win last week where they were easily the best team against the Raiders, whatever that means. And then they they gave Philadelphia a good – everybody knows Philadelphia is a good team. And I thought the Colts were the better team for two and a half hours. So it's just nice to have Indianapolis back. 
are they a destination fantasy spot? Do we expect them to put up 30 a week? No, but they have multiple guys we want to play again. And that's all I'm asking for. Yeah, that's all we're asking for. And hey, the one thing we can say for sure about Jim Mersey, uh, whether he is smart about what he's doing, I'm sure he won't be taking any Twitter victory laps uh, this week after this game. You know, even though they they take a really good team down to the wire there. He's not they're not trying to lose games. That's one thing. They're not tanking. They're they're in this thing to to win whatever that might look like. The Bills Browns game probably looked a little bit different than most people expected. Certainly a different setting as it ended up being in Detroit. Scott, what do you got from this one? Yeah, Jacoby Brissett outplays Josh Allen, right? Jacoby Brissett looks like the MVP candidate. Josh Allen has his worst fantasy game of the year. My friend Mark Stopa was at this game. He's a big Buffalo fan. He lives in the Florida area and was willing to brave the travel and travel to you know, to frigid Detroit to watch this game. And um, he actually wanted to stay for the Thanksgiving game. But I don't think he could sell it with his son, which is too bad because it would have been a fun trip to, to stay in Detroit if you're a Buffalo fan for like five days and watch your team twice. Yeah, right. Probably watch a couple of wins. He thought that maybe Allen was a little bit tentative in the first half. Allen came into this game leading the NFL in interceptions. You know, famously had that fumble, botch exchange that cost them the game against Minnesota. He had some problems in the red zone. That game against Minnesota ended with an Allen interception. And so, even the best players, you're human. Sometimes you overcorrect. You're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm giving the ball away. Turnovers lose games. And maybe Allen was afraid to let it rip in the first half. But then the they get the late touch on the digs at the end of the first half. The second half, they control things. Uh, we know that the Bills tend to rely on Devin Singletary when games, when they get some pushback from the opponent. This was one of those games. Singletary gets 20 touches. He gets into the end zone. Cook did pretty good in mop-up territory. But, you know, Allen's worst fantasy game of the year doesn't get to 200 yards, only carries three times for seven yards, which is just so rare for him. And Jacoby Brissett, I, I, man, this is one of these things. We'll, we'll laugh about the fact that this game happened, but against the defense we all respect, Throws for 324 and three. This whole story that Amari Cooper can't trust him on the road. He goes bonkers. Uh, Neutral site, though. Different, different than a home game. Neutral site game, uh, Scott. Yeah, okay. I mean, can't wait to can't wait to break those splits down. <laughs> I'm just happy to see people's Jones score a touchdown, too, because he hadn't scored all season. But yeah. I, I felt like the five for 61 was probably what you would have projected people's Jones to do. But you'd be like, well, he'll never score a touchdown. But he gets the late touchdown and bent. You're living right. If you had Cleveland plus eight, man, you you got a gift push. Uh, they could have gone for two and gone for the win, but they took the push. Kind of a bad beat for Buffalo. You know, Josh Allen, look, you're never going to bench him. If you drafted Josh Allen, you probably don't have a contingency plan because why would you need one? But I don't know. His confidence right now, I think he's a little bit shaken. He didn't want to run the ball today. Now, granted, Buffalo at least did something I've been screaming for all year. When the game's out of hand, don't run Josh Allen anymore. Yeah, there's no there's no reason for it. Now, you mentioned how Detroit's running defense has been better in recent weeks. There's still a team you can throw on. Obviously, Daniel Jones did that. Buffalo will stay here and play Detroit on Thursday. So this may be one of these things where it's like, okay, in the first half, Allen has three touchdowns, and then somebody tweets out, oh, yeah, that buy-low window on Josh Allen has been slammed <laughs> shut. I, I don't think there's any buy-low window on Josh Allen. But he does look like a guy who's struggling with his confidence, which in the ebb and flow of, of a four-month season, of an 18-week season that's going to happen – it's just frustrating that if, if you needed Josh Allen today, he gave you his worst fantasy game of the year. Yeah, one thing we know for sure is that Josh Allen's been really hard on himself um, through some of these struggles. Like I think it was after the um, the Jets game uh, where where they lost, and you know that wasn't even as bad as the game against the Vikings where he had some pretty rough uh, moments. But after that game, he's like, yeah, hard to win when your quarterback plays like. 
Like that was the direct quote. So he's been pretty hard on himself through this little slump. So I could I could see that like maybe the confidence is not 100% there. But hey, you, you go ahead and beat the Lions in Detroit like on Thanksgiving. You can get that confidence back. I also think like shout out to the Bills. Just they're such a throw happy team. But they stuck with Devin Singletary in this game. And everybody can run on the Browns. I mean, it's one of the most hilariously bad run defenses in the NFL. Even James Cook has a nice little outing, 11 carries, 80 plus yards on the ground. So, you know, credit to the Bills, like just sticking with what was working. And, um, you know, eventually the passing game got there. You know, at, at one point, I think it was in the first half, like Steph Diggs didn't have any targets. And then like he got, uh, you know, four for five, like four out of five targets and, you know, scores a touchdown. So eventually it got there. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you that overall the Bills could use a little bit of an uh, injection of confidence right now all right we're going to take a quick break when we come back we will run through the rest of the games here in week 11 searching for nba playoff coverage we've got you the old man and the three presented by bmw gives you an inside look into the world of sports hosted by former nba sharpshooter and duke legend jj reddick and sports writer tommy alter the old man and the three offers unprecedented access to the league Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, next game here, AFC North matchup. A little bit more entertaining. A little bit of a higher score, perhaps, than we were expecting. Bengals 37, Steelers 30. Um, Scott, I don't actually come away from this game feeling any better about the uh, Steelers' offense in this one. Um, a couple opportunistic moments, two interceptions from their defense. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, this game, again, a little higher scoring than we expected, but I don't really feel differently about either of these two teams than uh, I did coming into it. It's interesting because, you know, Frymuth, 12 targets, eight catches. Uh, there's always been a narrative that, he could inherit some of the stuff that Claypool vacated. And I think we saw some of that today. Pick and scores a touchdown. Najee Harris looked good. And I, I have not trusted Najee Harris for several weeks. He gets over 100 total yards and a couple of touchdowns. I still don't think Pickett has played particularly well. I mean, he played a no. mediocre game today. It's a step up from his previous play. But man, it just seems like it takes a lot for the Steelers to get the 30 points. As you said, a lot of that was influenced by defense. But my challenge to you, dear listener, is if you somehow missed this game, and I told you that Joe Burrow went for 355 and four, guess where it went? We're all going to laugh about <laughs> oh the Samaje yeah. P. Ryan, you know, three touchdowns receiving game. Obviously, uh, Mixon was going nowhere and then get hurt in this game. Um, he was in, a, in for a rough day anyway. I, I, his, I thought his rushing prop was way too high, and Pittsburgh was likely to focus on him and take him out of the game, which they did. But, you know, Higgins went ballistic, didn't get the touchdowns, but, but whatever. Uh, Burrow was in fine form, and I'm I mean, hoping that Jamar Chase can come back 100% because I think the Bengals could be really dangerous and a fun team. The story most of the time with the Bengals is, oh, yeah, narrow usage, narrow targets, narrow distribution. We know where their touchdowns are going. This is one week where yeah, I mean, Trenton Irwin, I know nothing about him. I just know he scored Same. a touchdown today. He plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was started on nobody's fantasy team. I've never thought P. Ryan had any special qualities. The, the main attraction to P. Ryan for fantasy is just as a backup for Mixon. We'll see how hurt Mixon is. I, I don't think Travion Williams would be a threat to P. Ryan's touch equity going forward if Mixon needs to, mi to miss time. I think I was a little bit more encouraged in, in Pickens and Fryermuth than you. I, I Granted, they're tied to Pickett, and, and he's such a work in progress. If he took a step forward today, it was a baby step. 
But man, yeah. Fryer Booth got 12 targets. I mean, I, at a tight end year where so many things are going wrong, and he again, he's stepping into a lot of that Claypool stuff. I actually think Pat Fryermuth could be a set forget tight end the rest of the season. No, yeah, I, I agree with you about that. Um, I think that's the best we're getting out of this, though. You know, I, I, George Pickens, he gets four for 83 in the touchdown. He lets a, a late one slip right out of his hands, you know, that he could have just walked in for another score. Um, you know, there's just there's mistakes from Pickens. There's mistakes from Johnson. And then the quarterback play is just so miserable. Um, like you said, if, if Pickett took a step forward today, it wasn't much. I just don't feel very encouraged by this. And um, yeah, I think the big story is obviously we'll see what happens with Joe Mixon. He had a concussion in this game and, you know, Samaj Piran was going to have that eruption game anyways. Um, he was, he was walking towards that even before the Joe Mixon game, which or Joe Mixon injury, which <laughs> I mean, what a wild development, but this is it's the so, thing, so right? funny, like, right? Mixon gets the five touchdowns the previous week and then, and then it's Piran. The game out of the bye, who gets the three? I mean, who could have seen that coming? Let me ask you this. Every week I feel like I move Deontay Johnson down a little bit more and down a little bit more and down a little bit more. Is it just finally time that we move him down low enough? There's like, don't even don't even ask me anymore. Forget yeah. it. I'm not answering start sick questions with Deontay Johnson. Just you, you can't even think about him. Yeah, I thought this was I thought this was a decent spot for Johnson. And, you know, again, not much there. And I, I like I said, I'm not encouraged about like George Pickens coming out of this game either. I mean, I know he makes a couple of big plays, but you know, he's, he leaves plays on the field too. And like the Steelers offense is just like the margin for error is so, so thin that if he gives you three for 24, I wouldn't be surprised either. So I just don't want to, like I said, I do not want to get my hopes up about this offense at all, but that is like my, my bias about the way I think about the Matt Cannon offense, but I think I'm right about it. So that's just, that's where we're at next game up here. <laughs> not an exciting contest. Raiders 22 Broncos. 16 i mean the broncos 16 points they turn over play calling duties to clint kubiak who cares once again they would have won this game if they could score 18 freaking points in regulation you know once i at one point i heard the uh i think it was mark schlereth and and i can't remember the other guy that that he calls the games with but at one point yeah this is probably russell wilson's best game as a passer with the denver broncos like this is really this this is the best game i mean that's a sad statement all in itself yeah, I want to point out that on the script, I think you skipped the, the Rams-Saints game, and if we, we're going to skip that game entirely, I don't think anybody's going to complain about it. <laughs> I'll go back to it after yeah, this. Yeah, just, just, just a point in fact that producer <laughs> Lord Podcast John can decide if he wants Rams and Saints talk. I think maybe Sean I'll McVay, go back for it. <laughs> has Sean McVay dropped a dime and said that, hey, just keep the Rams on a low profile here. We don't really need to talk about too, too well. You, you, or you know, no, nobody needs to know about Cam Akers. Yeah, this Raiders Broncos game, you know, I very seldom give out totals, but when I saw this total was 41 and a half, I'm like, lots of luck. Even with an overtime touchdown, they never oh, scared yeah. that number. And you know, Wilson, no, no touchdowns out of Wilson. He's not running at all. He only has one carry. They they spread the the backfield work with different guys. You know, Sutton had a decent game. You know, Dulcich is, is gonna be playable tight end because tight end's so ugly. The, the Broncos, it's it's so depressing to watch them because they, they keep the other team down more or less. I mean, granted, they didn't stop the main Raider guys. I mean, Jacobs was running wild and Devontae Adams. Wasn't it cute when people were down on Devontae Adams for like a minute? I don't think there was ever really a buy-low window. But it's the buy like, window, I was going to say the buy-low window. When was yeah. it open? When was it he open? Was sick. Yeah. He was sick in New Orleans and did nothing. And people were like, oh, wow, you know, Devontae Adams looks like a big mistake. And since then, all he's done is go crazy. He had that one second half where they forgot to throw the ball to him and he called out McDaniels. And, and, you know, since then, Devontae Adams has done Devontae Adams things. I think he's winning the breakup between him and and Aaron Rodgers. Not that it was acrimonious. I mean, you know, Adams wanted to get paid. He wanted to play with Derek Carr and that's going fine. But 
I think if you cancel the rest of the Denver Broncos season, nobody would mind. And the only thing worse than watching the Denver Broncos is this team seems to play an overtime game every other week. So I, I got to watch more Denver Broncos football. At least the Raiders had the decency to win the toss and go right down and score. So I didn't have to watch Russell Wilson go back in the pocket, not find anybody and throw a ground ball to, you know, to Kendall Hinton or something like that. I just didn't have the stomach for any more of that. Man, there's nothing in Denver. Yeah, look, Murray's going to get probably double-digit touches next week and maybe some goal line equity. Sutton's a good player. You play him. You have to play Delchich. But it's like, here, fight over the one touchdown you're going to score. Fight over yeah. the, the 16 points you're going to score. And your defense is so good, you'll never get pushed into a shootout. It's a fantasy wasteland, man. Yeah, um, I would argue that the only thing more depressing than watching the Denver Broncos and even more depressing than the fact that they go to overtime is thinking about where the hell do they go from here next year, man? I mean, that is an ultra depressing thing to consider. And yeah, Devontae Adams, awesome in the game, this game. His walk-off touchdown, Scott, has to go into like, how the hell did you let that guy get that wide open Hall of Fame? Um, I, I know like it was yeah, you had disgusting. One, you had one job to you do, not job. get beaten by Devontae Adams. <laughs> Yeah, wide, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying open, like man. they just left him open yeah. or anything. Sertan was trying to cover him, but I know who's a great player. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah, but Devontae Adams is an equally great player. Yeah, uh, just unfortunate secondary bust that happens. I mean, yeah, and it's hard. A lot of times, it's hard for us to know, right? It could be a communication error. It could be you know somebody somebody was responsible for part of the field and fell down or didn't you know, understand the call or something like that. Sometimes the guy's just looks, a great player making a great play, man. That's yeah, of course, like of me. course. You know, I, I'll tell you what. I'm encouraged. At least Carr looked a little bit more like the Derek Carr I thought we were getting. He hasn't like torpedoed your season. He's been shielded because Wilson's been so bad and Stafford's been so bad. Rogers been such a disappointment, and we could list a bunch of different guys. Carr's been a little bit shielded from that. It was just nice to see Derek Carr look. I'm I'm just looking for circle of trust guys. And and I mean they could be one foot into the circle of trust. At least Derek Carr, because Adams is playing so well right now, that I can play Derek Carr with a level of confidence. That's all I'm looking for. I never asked him to, to win me a league. I just want him to be like quarterback eleven or quarterback thirteen or something like that. I think he's back in that mix. Yep. Um, the Raiders' future will certainly be an interesting one to discuss, but that is for a later God, podcast. What? How yeah. do they get out of the McDaniels thing? I, I, I guess they got to hope he's so miserable <laughs> he's willing to give a lot of the money back because there's no way that contract's getting getting. I know, I know they don't have the money just to walk away from him now, but there's no way that marriage is going the distance. No, and and they'll probably and like if I had to bet right now who's a member of the 2023 Raiders, I would bet that it's jo it's Josh McDaniels over Derek Carr. And over and Carr, I mean, yeah. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that. But again, that's a podcast for you know, another time. We're, we're going to start playing a parlor game. I didn't force it um, yet, but would this offense be better with Gardner Minshew? Because I feel like a lot of the NFL teams would be. I, there's one game, in fact, is, is the oh, Gardner yeah. Minshew needs to come here special. We'll, we'll get to it. It's one of the last games on the rundown, but... Yeah, unfortunately, we will have to get to that game. Uh, Scott, we also unfortunately do have to double back for Saints-Rams. Um, you know, <laughs> the Rams were on like the no-fly like no zone, like no-fly list uh, after the Cooper Cup injury for me. And then we continue to get Matthew Stafford injured. He leaves this game with a concussion. It's his second in a pretty short period of time. We know he missed uh, week 10 with a concussion. You can now add Bryce Perkins because John Wolford, the guy who backed up Matthew Stafford and had to start against the Cardinals last week, he was injured for this game. You can now add Bryce Perkins to the long list, the long Browns-like jersey of quarterbacks who have played with Allen Robinson, right? I mean, Allen Robinson gets a touchdown in this game. Tutu Atwell got a touchdown in this game. But, like, 
I mean, Bryce Perkins, bro, like, what are we doing here with the Rams? It, this season is slipping away so fast from this team, and I think it's already well through the grasp. Uh, it's not even slipping away. I mean, the ice cream cone's on the ground, and there's a bunch of ants on it. it it's done. It's over. Cam Akers get a bunch of opportunity. Really went nowhere with it. The offensive line play has not been good. Atwell makes one long touchdown catch, but there's no way he's playable. I thought Ben Skoranek might have done something today. He has four targets, does absolutely nothing with it. Is that the point now? I'm just happy to see Allen Robinson make a good football play. It's like, oh, that's cool. Allen yeah. Robinson scored, you know? It's, it's like a middle league when somebody plays like the last two innings and gets a hit. It's like, oh, that's cool. Billy get a hit, you know? I, I, was, I, I don't uh, mean to sound condescending. I was totally that kid. <laughs> I was that kid. So. I mean, Allen Robinson was such a good player for such a long time, and he's had so much bad luck. And then finally, you, you think, I mean, Stafford get out of Detroit at the right time. He wins Super Bowl. You think maybe Robinson's finally landing in a good infrastructure and this, there's so much wrong with this team right now. Look, they won the championship. Flags fly forever. Banners hang forever. It's it's worth it because they won. But they're so far away from fixing this. And I realize NFL so teams far. don't take that long to fix. You only need to be right on a few things. But you can't be right in the draft if you have no picks. I don't know what yeah. McFay is going to do. I don't know what works on this offense. I'm going to do – I do the quarterly fantasy power rankings – I don't know where I had the Rams to begin the season. I'm sure it was a digit, you know, five or four or six or something like that. You could make a case. This could be the worst team in fantasy right now. This could be the deadest fantasy roster in the NFL. Think about that. They won the Super uh, yeah. Bowl last year. It's a good case. It's a very good case that the Rams might be the deadest team in fantasy, especially obviously without Cooper Cup. Um, hey, you, want a good, you want a good prediction, Matt? I know this guy, some fantasy hack, who his prediction was Andy Dalton. Shaky ground, almost didn't get to start this week, right? Well, maybe he'll come out cold, make a mistake, and James Winston will play. And this fantasy hack was exciting because, oh, you know, James Winston, get Chris Olave going, right? Maybe the Saints will be a little bit more downfield, trucking the ball and everything. Well, Andy Dalton looked just fine, 21 to 25, three touchdowns, over 10 yards an, an attempt. Chris Olave, we know Chris Olave's great. We talked about Olave last week about, you know, who is the number one receiver in this class, and Olave certainly made a strong case. While some other guys today weren't making strong cases. I mean, Alave's quarterback proof, it doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, Andy Dalton marked his territory, uh, the Jameis Winston prediction, which of course was my prediction. It was a bold prediction. I, I thought he was worth stashing in your, your super flex leagues. You can now, of course, cut him for something else of your choosing. And in a lot of leagues, you can do it on Monday morning. So look at some of the teams that don't play this week. But I guess Dalton's good enough. I guess Alave's quarterback proof. Uh, Jawan Johnson very quietly has been, he's got a little bit of that Cole Komet thing going where he's not getting a ton of opportunity, but he's scoring bushels of touchdowns. And we're so scraping for tight end production that when a guy is scoring as often as Jawan Johnson, I, in fact, I didn't play him. I, I think I forgot that I had him or I won a bid on him and I ended up playing the Arizona rookie tight end instead. And yeah, I don't think it's going to cost me my game, but that feels kind of stupid because Jawan Johnson, I feel has already earned his way into that tight end 12 conversation, but you know, if Alvin Kamara didn't have that one huge game, would this just be going down as a huge disappointment for him? I feel like he did all of his scoring in one week. And then yeah. otherwise, he's, he, I know it's been a little bit unlucky with the touchdown stuff, but Alvin Kamara's not losing your season by any means, but I'd be worried about him. He's got a very difficult schedule going forward as well. Yeah, and this offense is just like, with Andy Dalton, it just is what it is. And, and I think that... I think that the fascination with Jameis Winston outweighs the 
like actual output or the benefits of Jameis Winston. I mean, fair. Like, what do we what do we want with Jameis Winston? We want him to unlock Chris Olave deep, and it's like <laughs> we got a deep touchdown out of out of Chris Olave this week. Like, I don't know. I I just find the projection with uh, Andy Dalton a little cleaner, but I do think that. Overall, like, and again, I, I don't know that Andy Dalton, the benefit for Alvin Kamara is all that great either. So, like, to me, it's just the Saints quarterback situation is what it is. And I agree with you that Chris Olave is the big guy here and he is quarterback proof. The fact that he is so good as a technician, but also so fast that, like, he just gets behind Jalen Ramsey like that and he has that speed, it's just unfair. What a good player he is. Um, and, I, I want to yeah, say I also, I want to say also about Winston, part of my thinking was that if the Saints were to were to lose this game to the Rams or get behind in this game, they have to at some point look that Winston is seven years younger than Dalton. They can't have a hit. They can't have and a under contract for next year. Under right. contract for next. They year. They can't well. have a future with Dalton. Maybe they can have a future with Winston. The pro- the problem is they probably don't have a future with either guy. But yeah, that was part of my thinking as well. But now the Saints are probably thinking it's the NFC is so top heavy. And there's going to be some mediocre teams who get into the playoffs. We haven't even gotten into all of them yet. So the Saints have to think, hey, why, why not us? Why can't we win the NFC South? Or why we why can't we be the sixth or the seventh seed in a watered-down conference? Yeah, it feels like a decision they've already made, like the Jameis Winston one, which is a little curious, but it, it is what it is. One team who did make a decision about their quarterback situation, Scott, I mean, just transitions for days on this podcast right here. Commanders, the Washington Commanders, have decided that Taylor Heineke is their quarterback until he plays himself out of the job, which, by the way, is certainly possible for ODU's finest, but he is the starter going forward. Ron Rivera said it's as simple as the fact that they've been winning games. Commanders 23, Texans 10. Um, wasn't the cleanest game from Washington's offense by any means, um, but... But man, it was a mess there for Davis Mills and the boys for a long period of time. Nico Collins, me, you, and Dalton were also excited about him. Five catches, 48 yards, and you felt lucky to get out of it with that. Right, yeah. Some of that came late in the game. Uh, Davis Mills didn't play particularly well. He he actually got the running touchdown. Damian Pierce, who I thought was game script proof and Texans stench proof, you know, finally has yep. that 10 carry, eight game, eight yard game. That every back is look. I mean, a lot of guys didn't do it this week. I mean, Nick Chubb, who we all, I don't even think we talked about, had his worst game of the year, one of his worst games of the year. Sometimes that happens, but you know, at least Washington is just a good reminder of when you can reduce a backfield from three to two. McKissick's out of the way. Gibson becomes playable. Robinson becomes playable. A little bit frustrating that the touchdown on the ground got farmed out to, to Curtis Samuel, but uh, Logan Thomas was active in this game and w- was pretty good. I still don't trust Heineke as far as I can throw him. I still think every other throw he makes looks like a potential pick six, but commanders are well coached. They play hard for Rivera. They have a pretty good defense and they're going to be a playoff team. I think we just, they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs, I think, but we have to get used to it. At least for fantasy, they've cleaned up nicely because we got the one back out of the way and they have a, a couple of receivers that we can play with some level of confidence. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has come because Taylor Heineke has been under center. Just the the confidence of these guys. And like, look, so if you're a bad quarterback, and I think Taylor Heineke is a bad quarterback. I think Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback. But like the one thing you're going to do if you're a bad quarterback, like just get the ball to your best player or best players. And Heineke does that better than Wentz. And that's the reason I think they're winning games. I think that's the reason they're going to stick with him. Um, we can move on from this game, though, because there's not much to talk about. And unfortunately, Scott, we've come to the point where we have to talk about Patriots, Jets. 10 to 3 and it <laughs> the patriots only get that because they return a punt for a touchdown to end the game which to me felt like the most fitting um the most fitting way for that game to end if any way possible 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, the Patriots averaged 9.1 yards per attempt. They averaged 3.8 yards per rush. Zach Wilson was at 3.5 yards per attempt. The Jets were at 2.8 yards per rush. Grant Jones took way too many sacks. Six, six sacks is not acceptable. But the jury, Zach Wilson can't play, man. This this is the no. team. And, and I don't think Philadelphia is like in any hurry to get rid of Gardner Minshew. But this is a team that needs – the Jets have such great offensive inf- – and I know their receivers were frustrated today. They were kind of whining and everything. I think they're just getting sick of Zach Wilson short hopping them and, and being a, a beat late with all of his throws and, and not processing correctly because they have such good talent – on this, oh, whatever. Belichick got them on a bye. You know, Bill, no, nothing pleases Bill Belichick more than to beat the Jets. Was it like fourteen games in a row in the regular season or something like that? But it's it's not satisfying when nobody scores an offensive touchdown. It, it's not satisfying when Damian Harris gets in the way of Ramondre Stevenson having fantasy value. It's not satisfying when the Jets receiver. You know, we want to play um, Garrett Wilson with confidence. He has twelve yards. Maybe you play Tyler Conklin because you needed some tight end help. He had fifteen yards. I mean, the Jets' offense was horrible. The, the, like one hundred forty yards of offense or something like that. Um, this game deserved to end in a stupid way. Also, anybody who had the Jets at either plus three, which should have been a push, or plus three and a half, it should have been a win. You lose because of the first punt return touchdown in the league this season. Ugh, even the kickers, man. You know, Nick Folk has been one of the best kickers in the league. Is really windy day. He. You know, the ball was like a paper cup in a windstorm. I know you and I rewatch a lot of the games. I, I can't do it. I, I can't rewatch Zach Wilson. I can't rewatch this football game. I, Mac Jones, I guess he played a better game. But I, again, you have to give him some culpability for six sacks. Sacks are a quarterback stat as much as they are an offensive line stat. And the Patriots lost to Andrews, who's one of their stalwarts of their offensive line. Two very similar teams. I think they're both well coached. I think they're both excellent on defense. The Jets' defense potentially a better than the New England, but they're both pop, top five, top six defenses. And right now, neither team has any level of trust in their quarterback. I come away from this game thinking like there are no excuses for either teams. Like they they walked into this year with these situations, and and starting on the Patriots side of things, you, know, you I, I can't. I can't stop thinking about how they they really did this Joe Judge Matt Patricia thing. You know, like uh, Mac Jones wasn't as good as I think the numbers indicated last year, especially in the second half of the season, but this was his crucial second season. And they walked into this year with this unserious offensive play caller situation and it shows in crucial moments like you mentioned the box score for the Jets is hilariously bad we'll, we'll get to the Jets in a second like it is, it is laughably bad but on the Patriots side of things like it doesn't look that bad Mac Jones stat line doesn't look that bad but the six sacks are there um and they went three for 15 on third down like it shows up in the red zone it shows up in situational football moments and isn't that bill belichick's like whole thing situational football and and this is the situation they walked in with no excuses for the patriots on that side of it and on the jets like they're just no excuses for zach wilson he just like you said he's just not it right now 77 passing yards on 22 attempts that's like that's hilariously unreal the, the jets had 103 total yards I, I got to look back. Yeah. I, I have to go on pro football reference when we finish this podcast and find the last time an NFL team had 103 total yards in a game. It's It's got to be way back. And, and it's probably involved horrible weather. So the, granted, the wind was bad in this game, but I mean, somehow Mac Jones went 23 of 27. Right. Zach Wilson, I, I'm giving up, man. I don't think, yeah. he, I, whether it's 
he needs a fresh start somewhere or he just can't play, Zach Wilson is never going to be the right answer for the Jets. I didn't realize that, that sounds all hot takey because who's who's banging on the table for Zach Wilson right now? But six first downs, 103 yards of offense. This is what you come up with? Yeah. And Not the, play, like the, the skill position players are good. The skill position players are more than good enough. I know they've had injuries on the offensive line, but everything shouldn't have to be perfect for the quarterback to look average. And he's well, well, well below average right now. And just bottom line, Scott, the best, I think the, the, the way you encapsulate Zach Wilson this year is he is almost always the reason they lose games. And he is almost never the driving force for when they win games. And like, that's just, that's not the answer. And, and it's a tough situation for the jets to be in, you know, Wilson, who does have good athleticism and bring something as a runner. He actually had a higher QBR than Mac Jones, which I would say brings, you know, the worthiness of QBR into the, into the question yeah. a little bit, but neither one, look, bottom line is these are, these teams are so similar in that, they play so well defensively and they're so well coached that nobody will ever enjoy playing them. I mean, when the Jets beat the Bills a couple of weeks ago, it didn't feel fluky at all. And obviously yeah. Belichick has plenty of scalps and pelts on his wall and he, he's won games as an underdog before. But there's just no upside for these offenses as long as they have the quarterback play that's as poor as it is. This was about one of Mac Jones's better days. And by the way, congratulations, you piloted your offense to three points. You know, I mean, yeah. I hope nobody gave him a game ball or anything for that because it just... So, so frustrating. Also frustrating to lose a, a Jacoby Myers under prop that I had. Uh, I think I got a 50 and a half. I'm thinking, okay, Wendy, Mac Jones, a little Sauce Gardner. No way Jacoby Myers going over that. Well, he had four for 52. So that ticket is officially scrap paper. Well, that's probably, I would say that's probably the biggest loss uh, in the, in the game. Not the Jets, uh, like what the <laughs> F do we do at quarterback? Like <laughs> the Patriots, are we seriously rolling with it? Like that, the biggest loss is that, is that Jacoby Myers prop, Scott. So that's Matt, what we can really more. I'm being serious when I say this. You can laugh me off the podcast if you want. Could Mike White really be any worse? I mean, dude, Joe Flacco, I think still has Could Joe more Flacco be any worse. I hear Boomer Esiason be any worse. Is Vinny Testaverde in the building? I don't care. Brett Farr want to play anymore? Get me somebody else. I'm sick of Zach freaking Wilson. Get him off my television. <laughs> what do you think? Seriously, though, like, do you think it's a situation? Because the Jets are competitive. Like, sure. they can they can go to the playoffs. Like, do you think they would just, do you think at some point they say enough with Zach Wilson? Like, they go back to Joe Flacco? Or is that, like, too much of a, hey, we've completely burned the future. Like, and we need to have some hope for this guy. What do you, what do you think? Like, can they, I can, can see they just Sala saying, I can see Saw saying, I need there's an integrity of the locker room. At some point, somebody's playing so poorly for the other guys who are putting themselves out there on the line and you know putting their bodies at risk every snap. Yeah. At some point, if you think there's a better quarterback in the room, you have to play him. I think there's a yeah. decent chance that Zach Wilson actually gets benched this season. And uh, granted, look, this I, is the guy who told you that James Winston was going to play this week. So take my <laughs> advice with a grain of salt. But the Salah has to look. He has to look at everybody in the locker room in the eye. They're a playoff team. They just beat Buffalo convincingly a yeah. couple, couple of weeks ago. They can't accept this. No, they can't. And I'll tell you what, like Robert Sala throughout the season, like his words have said one thing in press conferences, been super, super defensive of Zach Wilson, but his face on the sideline in this game against Body Patriots language, yeah. said a whole nother thing. Uh, and yeah, Z Joe Flacco still has more touchdowns this year than Zach Wilson. Like that, that is, that is where we are at. Um, and speaking of where we're at, we are unfortunately at the position where we have to talk about another disgusting game. 
Ravens 13, Panthers 3. I mean, we've talked we talked about Lamar Jackson, or at least uh, Dalton and I did on the on the podcast, uh, the Statner podcast last week. You know, that he just he's like 26 in the NFL coming into this week in EPA per pass attempt to outside receivers. Um, you know, th- but Demarcus Robinson has a big game in this one. Nine of nine for 128 yards. And still, the Ravens' offense was, for the most part, completely stuck in the mud. And the Panthers, well, I mean, they're always stuck in the mud, especially when Baker Mayfield's under center. Yeah, Robinson, second-best game of his seven-year career. I think only the third time he's got over 70 yards. It's like one of these bingo things. Like, how many Ravens would you had to have guessed before we came up with Robinson being their best offensive player today? You'd be like, oh, you know, surely it's Lamar, it's Mark Andrews, oh, Kenyon Drake's getting Kenyon a start. Drake, yeah. Maybe Justin Hill gets sprinkled in. Oh, Devin Duvernay's had kind of a sneaky little season. No, no. All those guys, or you might have even guessed Isaiah Likely before you guessed Demarcus Robinson. And in a week where we were trying so hard to uncover the the lesser receivers who could save you in week eleven, and and what you know, some of the guys I gave out. I mean, Slayton did okay, and Paris Campbell did okay, and Paris Campbell's probably rostered anyway. Maybe even Slayton was. I played Skronik in the league. I picked up Demarcus Robinson in the league, and then finally in a fourteen teamer, and said, "No, I I don't have the stomach for this," and I and I cut him, and I and I hope that his you know, 18 to 20 points, depending on your scoring system, isn't going to be what costs me. But it's hard to judge how well Lamar is playing right now because he just doesn't have anywhere yeah, near the no roster that they expected. They've got nothing out of J.K. Dobbins this year. they got just about nothing out of Bateman. Andrews has been in and out of the lineup. They didn't upgrade the receiver room. Duvernay is a nice player to have, but he's being asked to fill a role he doesn't really fit. You know, Drake is is obviously a journeyman who could be out of the league at any point. You know, Justice Hill has, has been cut you know, probably more times than anybody cares to remember. So this is the, kind of the game that you expected it would be, the Ravens winning ugly, um, a couple of Justin Tucker field goals. On the, on the flip side, Baker Mayfield, man, I, I, I think you could if you could like get Jerry Rice in his prime and, and Brandy Moss in his prime and T.O. and Harrison, whoever you want, the greatest show on turf, Baker Mayfield could sink anybody. Okay, he is the freaking iceberg, man. He can sink the Titanic. Oh, look, I, I get it. DJ Moore has always been more of a yardage guy than a touchdown guy. But I see Baker Mayfield. I, it's, it's just so sad that it's like, oh, no, P.J. Walker's not playing. I, I'm I know, at the point yeah. now where I'm, just, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to go through the Sam Darnold experience again. I'm ready for the Darnold pain again. I can't take this Mayfield thing anymore. And this whole second half, I was sweating. Not, not sweating, but I have Carolina plus the points and pick pools and stuff. I Maybe I put a couple bucks on it. I can't remember. It was nothing substantial. But the game was 3-3 for so long, and I'm thinking, well, I'm getting 12. The only way they're going to blow this is if Baker plays so poorly, the Ravens score on defense, or maybe the Carolina goes forth, forth down their own territory, which they did. They tried to win the game, totally defensible. I never thought Makefield was like the face of the NFL, and I always thought it was kind of funny. He got all the commercials, although he actually is pretty yeah. good with his comedic timing and all that. But I thought maybe he was over his skis as an NFL commodity. I never thought he would be this horrible. I mean, I, I'm at the point now where I don't even think he's a justifiable backup, right? I, I don't think he's – I'd rather have Colt McCoy. I, I'd rather have totally. Jacoby Brissett. I'd rather have um, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I'd, ra- I'd rather have um, Baylor Zappi, uh, Bailey Zappi, you know, um, I try to get his name right, although Zappy may be the Patriots starter for, for all we know in a couple of weeks. But you know, I'd rather have the Jets guys. I just don't want to watch Baker Mayfield anymore. Not going to flip out about Dante Foreman. The Ravens get paid. Hey, but too. Baker, by the way, just before we move on from Baker, Baker Mayfield and Zach Wilson, that feels like the exact same player to me. Um, like guys that like their peak moments can get you a little excited. Baker Mayfield got 
he, he was like an average starting quarterback in 2020 when literally everything was perfect. But like I said, everything should not have to be perfect for you to look like an average starting quarterback. The one and the one thing goes wrong. The, you know, Zach Wilson got the same problem that Baker Mayfield. The second those guys boot out to the right, the play is over. It's over. The play is finished. Like and a disaster is about to happen. Zach Wilson can look okay when everything is perfectly designed. Mike LaFleur puts out a perfect game plan, does some nice little gimmicky stuff. The second he's got to drop back like a big boy, it's over. The same thing with Baker Mayfield. Got to drop back like a big boy. It's over. Well, let me ask you this. Again, you know, okay, Baker stinks. He's taken more down for the count. Dante Foreman will be fine. That's basically the Panthers, you know, period. Close the book. What do we expect from Lamar Jackson the rest of the season? I mean, this. I think this is about what you're going to get. You know, 200 passing yards, you got to hope for better touchdown luck. Uh, he does make it happen as a rusher with 31 yards and a touchdown. And like, yeah, I, I think this is what you expect. Like, the Panthers' defense is not the worst unit in the world, but they're not like an opposing unit. They just let up like 50 fantasy points to Joe Mixon a couple of weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? So I think this is about what we're going to get. Fair. I think you're right. Uh, a little disappointed that Drake didn't do more today. Um, you know, with, with the backfield at least getting the first crack at it. I, mean, I thought the Ravens would at least get to like twenty points. Um, they only they only got to thirteen. Um, I know this is not like great analysis or anything, and I usually like kind of roll my eyes at this stuff. But it does feel like this year that whenever we're counting on Kenyon Drake, nothing. Whenever we're not, whenever we're counting on somebody else, that's when Kenyon Drake has his yeah. big moments. That's sort of what it's felt like with Kenyon Drake this year. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, I, there was one week I did a Kenyon Drake hype video. Uh, he had a horrible game and. Everybody on Twitter who wanted to bash the Drake came after me, and yeah, it's fine. I mean, he didn't play well that game, and then you know the next week when nobody expected anything, he he was great. But Baltimore's a team well coached. Um, Jackson is, I mean, th- he is a long term solution. I, I'm curious to see how the contract ultimately gets solidified, but I can't see how they let him leave. But it's frustrating that they don't a team that needed. I received you know, granted they expected Bateman to take a step up, but even with that, I thought they needed help in the receiver yeah. room. And then the trade deadline comes and goes and they don't get any help. And it, look, it's not like there were like nine receivers to choose from. I mean, maybe teams wanted too much for their guys. And it's not like I don't think Pittsburgh was ever going to trade Claypool to Baltimore and maybe he wouldn't help them that much anyway. But they ain't do anything in Chicago, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. So um you know, Baltimore, Carolina, here's a kiss. We chose you to end this list. What a treat. Well, that is going to do it for us on a very uh, interesting slate here in week 11. Of course, you can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me if you want to at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, a couple underscore bros here. And to see someone deep in their fantasy feelings, (laughs) give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy. If you'd like to support the show and please, if you like the show, why not support Support us a little bit? Please leave us a rating and review. These on the backgrounds don't pay for themselves, Matt. Choice. We need support. No, they don't. They absolutely do not. You, uh, listen, got to support the show so I can actually keep changing out my records here. Got to get some more records into the house to keep the uh, the arsenal stocked here. Anyways, leave us a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen on. We would really appreciate it. And, you know, this show's gone through a lot of transition through the years, so we need some current accurate ratings here. So I see, I I see Hotel California. Better. What else is back there? Oh, we've got Hotel California. We've got a Dawes album and a Jimmy Buffett album here for that for this. So I will, I will, Scott, because you we talked about it. I'm gonna actually make sure I transition these records out, like on a bi, maybe bi-weekly basis. Uh, That'll be the best part the of the show. Rock and roll, man. Rock and roll. There we go. It's all happening, yeah, man. 
All right, well, it is all happening. And of course, tomorrow, what will be happening is Andy Barons will be back with me to go through the news, recap Sunday night, and of course, preview the week 12 waiver wire. Until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.